That was some Super Bowl, huh? You know who I was rooting for? Katy Perry. Oh, and God, did she deliver. She's got to be on the world. Big, bright eyes, black hair, perfect face. Everything else in order. I mean, that was astounding. It was stupendous. What a show. I don't know about the Missy Elliott thing. I don't know where she's been. Certainly hasn't written a new song lately, but who cares about that? I want one of those catch a rising star pedestal things to fly around. That was that, that was that thing was it was like bobbing and weaving too. That I don't think it was supposed to do that. Cuz it doesn't look like she was like bolted into the thing or anything. Or maybe she was. I don't I don't know, but I was like, "Oh, my precious Perry, please don't fall." Now that was that was quite a show. Maybe we will do an all Katy Perry after it. Now everyone would turn it off. But no really, I love Katy Perry, but Listen, seriously, that first and goal with a timeout left, are you fucking fucking kidding me? I mean, listen, I like the Seahawks. It's more that, you know, it's more that I wanted to see New England lose. I just, I don't like, I don't like, I don't like the team. I don't like the cheating. I don't, I, I don't like the, you know, having, you know, murderers play on the, on the team when they knew he was a psychopath. I, I don't. I don't like it. Listen, I get what they do, right? They've been doing that deflating the footballs thing for a long time now, and that's not even that big of a deal. But they did, you know, they were running off people's backs for blocking kicks. They got, they got, they get, they get away with whatever they can until they get caught, and then they get a slap on the wrist. Why, you know, you could make the, you could make the, uh, the argument. Why wouldn't you do that? And really, why wouldn't you? Well, if you have integrity, that's a good reason. But in terms of getting an edge. That Balich, he will do anything. He's like the fucking emperor with that fucking hoodie. I hate that guy. But it, you know, how could you blame him? Bob Kraft's a good owner, though. Anyway, listen, obviously I was rooting for the Seahawks. The line was basically even. I took them at even. Uh, obviously, that didn't matter. But listen, that, it's got to be the worst call ever. You have the best, not just... A capable running back, not just a great running back, not just the best running back in the NFL today, but probably the best NF the NFL running back that you've seen in five to ten years. They call it beast mode for a reason. You need five guys to tackle him. He's a mutant. And you have first and goal. Two yards out. You got a timeout. If you really need to, you could spike it. And then you get two... There is no reason. You pass the ball when you have to. And, and if you're going to pass the ball, do some read option bootleg bullshit. They're actually pretty good at that. Or you throw a fade route, which I hate those. But any of those options would have been much safer than throwing it into heavy traffic at the goal line. It makes no sense. It's the worst play call. There is no fucking junior high school football coach that would have called that play given similar talent, nobody would have done it. It makes no sense. If you want, I understand, everybody knows it's going to be, well, everybody thinks it's going to fucking Lynch, right? So if you want, do a read, read option. You have a very capable quarterback of running the football for six feet. There is no reason for it. it it's, it's just mind-boggling. 
Anyway. Katy Perry. I win. Welcome, everybody. Thanks, uh, thanks for joining me this evening. Yes, I'm going down. All right. Yes, I got my big feet in the window. Got my head on the let's uh, let's talk about some things that uh, that actually matter, right? You know, last week, the title of the show was Vaping is Doomed, and within 24 hours of that, things went from extremely pessimistic to to approaching Armageddon. I didn't think it was going to ramp up that quick, and but it did. It's never been worse. It has never been worse in this country, with the exception, obviously the exception, of when the FDA was actually seizing shipments and the industry was going to collapse. Obviously, that was worse because we were. it was literally on the brink of all of this going away, on the verge of none of us being able to easily... It was That was like D-Day. Other than that, which we won, this past week has been just a series of things that we've just never seen before at levels at which... Have, our, our opponents have never have never come to, but it, it's been a complete disaster. I spent um, and anybody from uh, anyone from New Hampshire who wants to call in and talk about uh, the the meeting today that I was fortunate enough to attend via Skype. If anyone wants to talk about the meeting today or what's happening moving forward, uh, now's a good time to call in three four seven three zero eight eight three two nine. I see one person there. Um, just uh, briefly, r- right before the show, uh, and the reason why I, I was uh, so tardy in telling everybody what was going on tonight, I was on a Skype call with the New Hampshire Vapors, and um, that w- when I saw that, what's happening in New Hampshire is particularly nasty, just in terms of the legislation. But um, you know, as soon as I saw it, without even reading the legislation, um, I just. I just started to burn. It just started to make me fucking angry. And I know that a vapor here and a vapor there, should I should be angry about everything just as much. But there's something about New Hampshire that um, I I love. I just love, I love the, I love the state. I love the people. I love the movement that they have going on here, going on there. And it just made me extra angry to see the free state to have something so so nasty. I mean, this is a nasty nasty ban. Let me tell you a couple things about it. Okay, good. Let me I'll pick up on you in a second, Anthony. Thank you. A couple of real nasty things about it. About it. It, do, it it it's it's do, it's doing what so many other states have done, 
which is take their existing anti-smoking ban legislation and just tacking electronic cigarettes onto that. We, we, we see that, you know, that's kind of the norm. But with this bill, um, they've made a big mistake, really. Uh, what they've done is they're about to piss off all the veterans because not only does it make it illegal to vape anywhere where you can't smoke, it also expands the areas that you can't smoke and then soon you won't be able to vape, such as... Uh, private clubs, uh, cigar shops. You would not be able to vape in a vape shop and you would not be able to smoke in VFWs or uh, even private clubs, all that stuff. They're, they're like, they're going full on. They're, also, New Hampshire has something coming up where you won't be able to smoke in a car if you have someone under the age of 18 in the car with you. I can imagine they're going to roll smoking, uh, roll, roll vaping up into that. I'm not sure. Anyway, listen. When I got a, I, I've I've talked to a lot of people trying to get shit together to fight a ban, and I didn't quite know what to expect in New Hampshire. Let me just tell you, I was impressed. I had a whole page of stuff, stuff, you know, because I don't know what the, I, I I'm I can't I, I'm not assuming anyone's a genius or or, or doesn't know any I, I don't know. So I prepared all the stuff and I started listening at the meeting. And gosh, I'm sorry. I wish I knew the gentleman um, who was the first to speak and was doing a lot of the speaking. These people got their shit together. I mean, I was super impressed. I had like 50 things. He said 48 of them off the bat. It was very impressive. So it's great to know and shouldn't be surprising that the state that has the most amount of liberty activists and the state that, in my opinion, values freedom more than any other, or at least that's evidenced in how the law works and how taxes work there, I shouldn't be surprised. And I guess I'm not. I'm just impressed. Uh, I want to bring on Anthony Pino. Anthony has a business in New Hampshire, and uh, I want to talk to him a little bit about the bill and what we can do to help the New Hampshire Vapors fight it. Anthony, are you there, sir? I am. How are you doing today, Ross? I'm doing great. Thanks for calling in. And uh, Hey, listen, tell people a little bit about yourself and about your business, if you don't mind. Okay. My uh, my name's Anthony Pino. Uh, my brother and I own a business called Frog Mixology. We make e-liquids in Nashville, New Hampshire, and sell them to predominantly shops. We also sell online at retail, but uh, mostly sell to shops to, to hopefully get you guys to enjoy. Excellent. So uh, were you at the meeting today? No, actually, my brother attended the meeting to represent our company. I was actually driving around New Hampshire delivering orders to shops. Okay. Um, well, listen, all I can tell you is I, I wasn't standing there, but I heard all the people introduce themselves. It was well attended. Um, you know, right. I, I said at the meeting... You know, when, when New York City was going through, you know, a similar ban, actually this one in New Hampshire is far worse, far, far worse. But, um, mm -hmm. you know, New York City is a, a city of 9 million people. New Hampshire is a state of 1 million people. And what you guys have going now, already at this early stage in it, um, is about 10 times better than what we had. And it's really commendable. But then again... I would guess that New Hampshire residents on average value personal liberty about 10 to 100 right. more than a New York City resident. So we, we don't generally enjoy the government telling us what we can and can't do and where we can and can't do it. Uh, what was a big thing for us is we have uh, a New Hampshire vape shop owners and managers and e-liquid company owners group on Facebook. And we kind of just discuss, you know, what's going on in the industry, what kind of 
uh, regulations might be coming down the pike, anything like that. So uh, we actually caught wind of this potential ban, this bill, in, I would say it was less than a week ago. Mm-hmm. And immediately one of the shop owners in Concord, his shop is, I think, like less than a mile from where this law could actually become law. Um, he said, you know what, I'll host a discussion. Let's get together and figure out what, you know, make a strategy. And it really came together in, in you know, a couple of days. And he decided this would be the best day to do it. Got as many folks as we could uh, and just kind of made a strategy of how we're going to plan on fighting this. Uh, we've all already emailed our state reps, our state senators, and just see where we can go from there. Um, I know my, personally my, my state senator is on the committee that's going to decide whether or not this is a bill worth bringing out of committee and up for a vote. So I've tried to twice, of course, being uh, a lawyer who is a state senator, she's not real quick to respond. Mm -hmm. But what I was really happy to hear is my state rep, who I emailed on Super Bowl Sunday, responded to me on Super Bowl Sunday within a couple hours and said there's no way he would vote for this bill. He doesn't like bills that tell private property owners what they can and cannot do on their own property. So if it ever comes up in front of him, he's voting no. And I was like, okay, thanks, great. You know, that. So you know, you know, it's, it's funny good to know that at least I got one person, it, you know, it's funny. You mentioned that, that you're able to say, you know, to make an argument on the virtue of private property ownership and private property rights. You say that, right. You say that to a legislator in New York and they will just look at you in a, bl- with a blank face. They don't even know what that means. Right. They don't even, rights. they New don't, York city has the right. Yeah. You, they don't even, th- that concept just doesn't exist. It's and it's amazing yeah, the exactly. difference a few hundred miles makes, you know. Well, the difference is that the state legislation up here is a part-time body. They get paid two hundred dollars for a two-year term, and that's the entirety of what they earn. They don't have staffs. They don't have, you know, a whole entourage of people working for them. They have them, them, and they should come off of their regular job, go up to Concord for three weeks, do what they need to do, and then go home. That's true. The Senate different though, isn't so they it? Have and this... to live. They basically they have to they have to live under the laws that they create. So sure. I feel like uh, most of our legislators feel like not as entitled and not as you know above the law as some other legislators in other states. Now the the Senate's a bit different though, isn't it? Because the, I, I noticed that your your Senate has um, a decent amount of Democrats in it, and yep, it does. Yeah, so that's a tougher nut to crack, I guess. It is. It is. Uh, you know, it, it's tough to say uh, because, you know, we have some like pro-gun Democrats here. We have some, you know, really pro-liberty Democrats. And then we have some Republicans who want to, you know, tell you every little, every little thing you can and can't do. It's, it's tough to say. It's really, I, I, and this is something that I think comes with people who care about individual responsibility. It's really down to the basis depending on what your state rep or our state senator is like. And you really have to kind of get out and get to know them. So um, one of the things that the people at the meeting asked me to do was just share an email address that uh, anyone who is in New Hampshire, or you don't have to be from New Hampshire if you're in New England, if you're anywhere, you want to, hey, listen, I'm in New York, I want to help. Anyone who wants to help or find out what they can do, it's very simple. Just send an email to nh, like New Hampshire, vapers, V-A-P-E-R-S, at gmail.com. I'll put that in the chat in the replay notes, but it's nhvapers. V-A-P-E-R-S at gmail.com. If you send an email there, you will get a list of action items, whatever, up to date, and you will receive updates on what you can do to help. Um, the best way to kill one kill one of these these bills is in committee, and it sounds like you have a decent 
chance of doing it. Let me tell you, we actually had a fighting chance of doing that when our vaping ban was going through our health committee. And I said this at the meeting, and this is this. I think this really goes for everyone everywhere. Any any of these, whatever whether it be a health committee meeting or a commerce meeting or just a general vote, wherever it is that you are allowed to attend or publicly comment. Let me tell you what killed us in New York. We had a few guys on that health committee that were willing to vote for us. There were a couple of Republicans and there was a Democrat. They were, you know, we were getting close, right? We had, and, and, and a couple more on the fence. Now, what we did when we had people go there to testify, what we told everybody was, hey, listen, if you're going to vape, vape discreetly, you know, stealth vape or blow it down your shirt or, you know, just be very discreet about it. And everybody just nods, right. everyone nods their head and says yes. You know what happens, though. doesn't matter that you told everybody to do this. There's yeah. always one or two jerk-offs who will go and they will yep. blow huge fucking clouds. It So, there Unfortunately, and, and I understand it's kind of a, a paradox, you're going somewhere to fight for your right to vape in public spaces, and then you're right. not doing it, but you have to do that. You have to tell everybody. You have to give them a piece of paper where it says, number one, big print, don't vape. Just don't vape. You can live without vaping for three hours or whatever it is. Get some, right. uh, get some snooze or get a lozenge or go to the bathroom or go outside don't vape in front of these people because somebody is going to fuck up. And it's that, and they told us after the guys who was going to vote for, it, they're like, I never seen anything like that. Like, I don't, I don't want that. I'm not that I'm voting for that. Mm -hmm. That's what, that's what killed us. That's what killed. Don't vape at these hearings. There's, there is no good that could come of it. That, and, and you know what they, you know what they did even more than that? They used it against us. These, these public health people, because there were people vaping some discreetly, some not so discreetly. And you know what they said? They got up and testified on record. They said, my lungs are burning. My throat is, itching, my eyes are burning. Yeah. They would say this. Now they're lying. And they had kids saying that too. They bust in the fucking kids to these things. And they say the same thing. Who is going to vote against that? Nobody. We lost. We lost. Mm -hmm. Unanimous vote. Mm -hmm. Unanimous vote after that. Don't vape. Do not vape at these things. It's not worth it. Okay, good advice. Yeah. Also, you know what I saw at the so, uh, at, at the Indiana hearing, which I'll talk about in a little bit. A lot of guys, sure. a lot of people, they had these great signs, and they were professional and stuff. But you, you you don't have to have a professional one. You just you have to have a legible one. Greatest greatest slogan that you can you can hold up at a meeting, print on a button. I vape, I vote. You, you, yep. uh, 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 the legislators see a sea of those. You know, every one of those signs represents hundreds of thousands of people that have the have the same mindset. So. Um, yeah, just some, just some tips. And uh, so I, I hope you guys can kill it in committee. What other plans do you have? Well, what, what, what I, try, I tend to think that, uh, legislators and government generally does is they'll come out with something so obnoxious and so outlandish that everyone gets all up and on and says, this is completely absurd. And then they'll come back at you with, oh, well, what if we just do this? And the, what if we just do this is all they wanted in the first place. Exactly. And that's what they'll try to get by because then everyone will be like, oh, well, that's not as bad. Let's just do that. So what I think they're going to try to do is come up with this insane ban that they've, that they've proposed, and then they're going to come back to us with, oh, well, what if we just give you an exemption for vape shops and an exemption for private clubs, and it'll be okay. And what I'm worried about is a lot of people are going to say okay to that, and I guess that wouldn't be the end of the world. But what I'm really worried about is the idea of vaping being lumped in with smoke exactly i just don't want the two to be associated so to me i just want this bill to entirely go away and i'm going to continue to push for that when we go to these meetings with in you know, the public hearings and everything um 
they're going to come back with something that's that's you know to like appease everybody and say, well, what if we just say, oh, it's okay in private clubs, but it's not, and it's okay in vape shops, but that's it. And you know what? A lot of I think a lot of people would be okay with that. And in reality, it wouldn't affect our ability to do business as vape shop owners or e-liquid company owners, but it would affect the individual rights of people who are trying to get away from smoking and move into something more more healthy and at the same time, you know, be able to do that in public. Anthony, you hit the nail on the head, and I'm, I'm glad you said it. The biggest danger is when you have a piece of smoking legislation and e-cigarettes are added to it. Like this is the normal way of doing right. it. And they do it for two reasons. Right. Number number one, uh, sometimes, I don't know about New Hampshire, but sometimes the, the, the smoking legislation is popular um, and it's easier to just amend something than get out a whole new piece of paper. But the other reason they're doing it is because once that's law, now they have set precedent that electronic cigarettes right. are the same thing as smoking, the same thing as tobacco. So that is extremely dangerous. What I would say, even if you're going to go down the route of making some sort of compromise, have them do it on a, urge them, you know, maybe even urge one of the vape, vaping friendly representatives to draft something with some minimal, some minimal regulations on a separate bill that is just sure. about vaping. That would be right. because that way when they do, because they, they, they modify the smoking laws constantly. And that way, when they do, it's not going to affect vaping because it's on a separate piece of paper. I think that's really, really important. Right. I'm just afraid that they're going to, you know, equate vaping to smoking on paper in the state of New Hampshire, and then we'll be subject to all of the taxes, regulations, laws that, that smoking is, is, you know, subject to. And I don't feel like that's something that I could stay in business under. No, no. I mean, it would, it would be, yeah, it's very dangerous. Very, very dangerous. So I'm so glad I was so impressed today by all the people that were speaking at that meeting, how, how organized and how knowledgeable they were. And, um, you're reflecting that same thing right here. So, um, I, I have, I have high hopes. It will not happen. You will fail unless you have a, a, a huge, you know, outpouring from the vapors. And it sounds like you're well on the way to have, having that again, anyone who wants to help, uh, please send an email to nhvapers, N-H-V-A-P-E-R-S, at gmail.com. Easy enough to remember, right? And uh, It is. You'll, uh, you'll be pointed in the right direction very quickly. Um, keep an eye on Thursday, by the way, Anthony. You do have a health committee meeting on Thursday. I don't know how things work there. I don't know if they can sneak in something last minute, but keep an eye on it. You do have a health committee meeting on Thursday. It's not on the. We, we will be. We'll be on top of everything. Luckily, we have a vape shop that, like I said, is like a mile away, and uh, and he's probably one of our most active members. So, uh, Alex, who owns the Cloud Lounge in Concord, is going to be very, very active on this. And uh, we actually have one state rep on our side. She's not on any of the committees, but she is in in tune with what's going on in Concord and can kind of help us out a little bit. Right on. Well, you guys are. On the right path of victory, I uh, I hope you cross the finish line. And thank you for calling in, oh, and uh, thank you for everyone. Thank you for having me on. Of course. Thank you. Hey, there he goes, everybody. Anthony, what's your business name again, Anthony? I'm sorry. Please, quick. Uh, it's it's Bumblefrog Mixology, B-U-M-B-L-E-F-R-O-G, Bumblefrog. And, uh, you know, we manufacture e-liquids in New Hampshire. Right on, right on. All right, thanks so much for calling in. Hey, good luck, New Hampshire. I'm pulling for you hard. Um, so yeah, um, it was the worst week 
in vaping. Perhaps the most damaging thing that came out last week was the state of California declaring vaping to be, and uh, Stefan, could you please, uh, now's a good time to call in, if you would, sir. Uh, this has never happened before. Um, the state of California, I think California is the most populous state, and if unless I'm mistaken, I think it's the most populous state in the union. And now you got a 21-page document full of all this bullshit, but, but it's bullshit that people are going to believe. The state of California declaring the vaping is a health hazard, a public health risk, whatever you want to call it. They have laid the groundwork. They, they put a lot of work into this piece of paper. It's, yeah, it's bullshit, but boy, it's nice. It's a nice document. And it's convincing, and it's got the governor's fucking signature on it. Any other state, all they have to do now, they could get a college intern to take that 21-page document and, you know, change some words, mix some things around. Shit. Fucking copy-paste the whole thing. Who's going to give a shit? And now the state of New York has a document. The state of, you know, whoever. The state of Massachusetts. The state of Indiana. The likely suspects. And and once all the big ones get it, it's just, it's, it's going to be a house of cards. It's all going to fall down. It is the worst thing ever. Now, I'll say this. For the, you know, in the past, uh, the response from California Vapors has been hmm, uh, shitty, uh, less than impressive in the past when, when legislations come up, I come up. I think this has really woken some people up and the uh, Northern California and Southern California uh, divisions of uh, Safada are taking action. Uh, let me bring Stefan here, but before I do that, let me just put the links that detail what's going on. They're having emergency meetings so let me put that in the chat in the replay notes, and this should be Stefan. Um, let me bring him on here. Stefan, are you there, sir? Uh, that's probably my number. Yeah, I'm, I'm using Skype, so uh, I have no idea what number <laughs> it uses to uh, dial out from. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's six six six, and then all, all zeros. Um, yeah. So hey, listen, welcome, owner of the world's uh, most famous humongous screen office, or whatever it is, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and a tireless cr crusader for for vaping rights. Thank you for joining me, Stefan. And um, yeah, what's your take on on what's going on in California these days? Did that did that document shock you? Uh, no, it didn't shock me. Uh, after the Curbit campaign was launched in San Francisco, Professor Glantz was on a radio station, and he basically uh, said that the campaign should be taken California-wide, and other states should be following California's lead. When he says that those are not suggestions, those are not encouragements, those are marching orders, so we already pretty much knew that something bigger was coming. So the, the idea we had on, on addressing the Kerbit campaign, we managed to sort of uh, go back to the original plan and, and scale it. And then, of course, uh, we decided, you know what, there, there is just no point in fighting a legislative battle and a PR battle and possibly a legal battle without getting proper professional help. So we decided to have these uh, emergency meetings and we're looking at doing a massive fundraiser between both the members and the non-members to raise enough funds to hire the lobbyists that we've 
been looking for for four months and finally found. Uh, hire a PR firm to assist us with actually trying to sway public opinion back where it belongs. And of course, having a law firm to do whatever litigation we might need to do, maybe not specifically against the California Department of Public Health, but uh, maybe some other parties. And of course, a law firm to cover our asses, because once you get into the PR game, you have to be rather careful in, in what you do. And uh, the legislative side is, is going to be uh, pretty packed. I mean, it's not just that, that Mark Leno bill, because uh, looking at the Leno bill, it, it's not just uh, defining e-cigarettes as a tobacco product. Uh, under Section 1, Subsection B, it also covers all the hardware as a tobacco product. Uh, the public use then portion uh, extends to foster parents who would not be allowed to vape around their kids, uh, not vaping in a car when there's uh, uh, kids around, not vaping in parks, not vaping near a farmer's market, not vaping in multi-unit apartment complexes, uh, life environments for businesses. Uh, it, it's a really nasty bill. Mm -hmm. On top of that, we've got SB 24, which is the Stake Act, which uh, is basically a prohibition to uh, for sales on uh, to minors. Which uh, you know we're not really opposed off, but they're gonna slip stuff in there. Uh, we're gonna be fighting AB 1500 again, which is the uh, the online sales ban we killed last year. Well, it's back. It's not by Dickinson. It's going to have a different number, but uh, it's being introduced. And we've got another bill that is uh, basically a one-liner with some penalties, and that covers a sales ban on non-nicotine products to minors. Uh, generally, not a bad bill, something you could get behind. If it weren't for the fact that this bill was introduced in a way that we were not too happy with, uh, a vendor had... Uh, their hand in this and um, the assembly member decided to run with it. The problem is if you introduce a bill of your own, you have to have the power to manage it and see it through. It through. If you can't manage a bill and you don't throw the lobbyists at it that, that are needed, the bill will be seized by our opponents and they will start making amendments. So that, that fourth bill we're looking at is basically an open door for our opponents to start screwing with. So, yeah, California is gearing up for a, a real fight, and uh, hopefully this time we can set an example for all other states to follow and hopefully create a template for other states to jump in on. I want to talk... It's not going to be easy. No, no, it's not. Um, I want to talk a little bit about that def defining hardware. So we're talking about, mm -hmm. you know... You know, I, I guess it could be anything, egos, batteries, mods, clearmizers, you know, anything that's not e-liquid as a tobacco product. I find that I find that really interesting because the one thing these these are very strange times we live in uh, right now in the state of California. If you are in the business of selling marijuana, you are a whole lot safer uh, in terms of staying in business and being profitable than if you are in the business of selling nicotine or selling uh, e-liquid products or selling, you know, electronic cigarettes for vaping for you know for uh for nicotine it's crazy but it's true now just yes, like yes it, it's it's even crazy it's even crazier if you consider that uh several ordinances will allow you to vape medical marijuana in your multi-unit apartment complex but will not allow you to vape anything containing nicotine here's the thing though any piece of hardware that can be used to vape e-liquid with nicotine can easily, you know, many times without any modification, be used to vape THC 
in its various forms. Now, in the past, I don't remember what the circuit was exactly, but there was some legislation um, that was very bad for e-cigarette vaping or nicotine vaping, whatever you want to call it. There was some legislation that got defeated, not because of our efforts, because our efforts sucked, but because of the efforts of Normal, which is the National uh, Organization mm -hmm. for the Re Reform of Marijuana Legislation. Um, they argued that this stuff, you know, that, that affected hardware. So, you know, you know, strange times make strange bedfellows, but, you know, the, it sounds like the way that this law is stated, I, I, I don't know how they could somehow word that these devices, because they're the same thing most of the time, this would make all of the hardware that's used to vape THC defined as a tobacco product. I would think that Normal would have a big problem with that. Maybe they can be an ally? Uh, I'm pretty sure they're going to have a, a, a big problem with it. Uh, I wouldn't want to discuss any details publicly, but uh, I have been picking up on signals that uh, California Normal is looking at this, and they have their own ideas about it, and I strongly suspect that uh, both of our, our interests will be opposing certain parts of, this, of these bills, and <clears throat> hopefully killing them as we uh, go along. Well, that's good. It doesn't matter what the reasons are. It just, rem it just matters that, you know, people are working towards the same goal. Um, and that organization is very organized, has a big membership, has, uh, you know, 20, 20, maybe 30 or 40 years of uh, experience with stuff. So it would be foolish to uh, to not welcome their efforts. And, I'm sh you know, they're going to do their thing. And I think it's going to help us on that issue. But, you know, that... Certainly it, it might very well help us. I've, I've seen some, some folks from, from California Normal at uh, certain uh, city council meetings, and uh, they basically use the same arguments we use. And, well, yeah, they are the same arguments because we are fighting a, a very similar battle. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's interesting. In New York, um, Cuomo's about to launch. Um, he's, already stayed, he's already on the record. Um, what exactly he's going to do, I don't know, but he has lofty goals. Um, he's already stated it, and I forgot what the document was, but I read it, and he's he's going to go full, you know, full assault on uh, on vaping. And it's interesting in in New York, they passed it's it's uh, medical marijuana is you know on a piece of paper it is legal in New York. Um, I don't think any of the mechanisms are in place for actually allowing it to be distributed just yet, or if they are, it's, it's just in its infancy, but it's, it's, it's interesting. The two ways you can, you can eat it, you know, you can get, get it in a lozenge an edible, all that stuff. You can get all that. The two things that are prohibited, you can't vape THC in New York under medical marijuana, under the legal medical marijuana, and you can't smoke it. Um, I wonder, I wonder under, I wonder why, you know, I, I guess they just, I don't know. It's, it's interesting, but the, the, they're not going to have these problems uh, in New York like they're having in California because they've already exempted their medical marijuana from, you know, anything that you, you just can't inhale it. You know, there's there's no way to legally inhale it. It's kind of it's kind of interesting. But like I said, and I think most of most of these differences are probably due to the different lobbies and the different interests that are constantly on a whole bunch of bills and proposals. And eventually you get these sort of weird things that make no sense. Well, listen, while, while I'm on the phone with you, anyway, let me post this stuff uh, one more time. You got, you got one, two, three, four, two, you got, you got four laws, four bills, um, 
Uh, the, yeah, those, those are the four that we've got on the, ra on the radar. We are expecting somewhere between two and four other bills because the, the filing period has not yet ended. Uh, one is probably going to be a tax bill, uh, especially since the language of SB 24 and 140 are really aimed at setting the prelude to uh, being able to do the taxation thing. Well, to, to now, one of the dates for these meetings, I posted the links in the chat and they're in the, but you got a Southern California emergency meeting and a Northern California emergency meeting. Uh, those Reddit posts are for, by Stefan are, are good ways to find all the info, but just tell people who are listening right now when, when, when they can get involved with those. Uh, okay, so the Southern California meeting is in uh, Redondo Beach uh, at Lucky Juices Vapor Company. Uh, which is February 8th, uh, starting at 7 p.m. Uh, we're going to have some folks uh, through a Skype connection who can't be present directly, uh, including uh, Peter Beckett from the EU, uh, myself. Um, we've got a bunch of people flying out as well. Uh, Cynthia Cabrera, the executive director of SVADA, is attending. Uh, Alex Clark from CASA is attending. Uh, Pamela Gorman from Enjoy is attending. Um, and it looks like it's going to be a standing room only meeting. And we're following up in the north uh, on a, with a meeting on uh, the 12th from 1 to 4 p.m. in Sacramento over at the Poor House or Paper House. I mean, they're sort of like connected. Uh, we're going to have uh, pretty much similar folks there. Uh, Cynthia's flying out for it. Uh, we've got a seasoned lobbyist to actually explain what the bills are about and the importance for us to uh, get a lobbyist to represent the interests of, of the members and the non-members as industry in California in general. Uh, this lobbyist was instrumental last year in uh, killing AB 1500 and SB 648, so uh, definitely somebody who knows his stuff. And uh, we're looking at, oh, sending room only as well. So um, maybe I should send thank you notes to the California Department of Public Health because they managed to do something that we have not been able to do, get everybody to show up, show an interest, and actually take some action. Yeah, it's kind of like what we were talking about in New Hampshire when they, they, they tend to try to, like, go full throttle. I mean, the, the it's different, but, like, when, when they just dump everything in the kitchen sink into a bill in the effort to, okay, I'll make some compromises and then we'll end up getting what we wanted in the first place. You, you end up pissing these groups off. New Hampshire made such a big mistake. You do not, don't piss off veterans because they, they're already organized and they, they don't like it when you take away their rights because they put their lives on the line for them. Big mistake. Exactly. Yeah. And I totally, totally support them in that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, listen, you've got, You've got some fight, and I wish you luck. I hope you're whatever compromises. There are going to be compromises. I mean, California, they, they do not let any opportunity to tax go. I, I hope you win on all of them, but I hope if there are compromises, which I suspect, I, I hope they're not too egregious. So good luck, man. And, uh, well, we're, we're, we're definitely planning on, on not compromising uh, uh, on anything. On the other hand, uh, look at, looking at the political game, it is actually cheaper and more effective and uh, easier to kill bills than actually get things amended in, in any favor. So uh, I think we're looking at uh, hopefully engaging in massacre. 
Well, I, I, I wish you all the I wish you all the luck. Buy big guns. Okay. Thank you. And thank you for having me on. Oh, anytime, man. Hey, there he goes, everybody. Stefan from the uh from California, NorCal, SoCal, and that gorgeous monitor display has. It's unbelievable. You know, I got a message just before and this kind of like drives home the point of how important it is to be proactive. My friend Jen Ellis put you know, she commented on one of my adverts for the show and I just read it and it was just like, well, fuck. I mean, what they did in Buffalo, they, they put in a vaping ban. They introduced it and signed it an hour later. Nobody knew anything about it. It just, it was like they snapped, they snapped their fingers and boom, it's law. Like that shit like that. I don't know how you fight about it. I don't know how much. I don't really know how much time I know we've dealt with her. I mean, when New York did it, they, you know, they're, they're such fucking cocksuckers. They, they, on a, on a Wednesday, on a Wednesday afternoon where Thursday was Thanksgiving, that's when they announced the meeting that was going to be on Monday. Um, the, you know, being as sneaky as, so I know they do these things. We've experienced it before, but what you really got to do, I mean, whatever city or county or whatever, you know, whatever, wherever you live, you gotta, you gotta now, I mean, if, if you're lucky enough to not have anything that's happened with vaping, it's gonna happen. It's just a matter of time. It's not if it's just, it's just when you gotta have a bookmark on your computer. Like I got one for our, not, not that much matters at, at this point anymore, but anyway, I check in every now and then, and you could do the same. Just everybody's got, you gotta find it. You got a calendar. Everybody's got a health committee or, or, or some way that they introduce health bills into your local legislator. Just have that calendar so that you check it once or twice a week. You know, it takes two seconds. You know, just look at it. Look for the words vaping or electronic cigarette or tobacco or smoking and do a quick read just to make sure, you know, that nothing's going on. At this point, you have to do that because look what happened in Buffalo. Nobody even knew. Nobody knew. And it's boom. Now what are you going to do about it? Do a lawsuit. Good luck with that. You know, <sighs> two hours. Yeah, that's that's some notice. Sorry, Jen. Sorry, Buffalo. You didn't even have a chance to fight. Now, what's going on in Indiana? This is this is crazy stuff. I mean, you you know, and there's you know, I'm I'm gonna I'm just gonna say a couple things about this because. There's crazy stuff going on in Indiana. I, I, it, I don't even know where to start. And I don't even know where to stop. But you've got some, you know, I'm not a big, okay, good. You know what, better, better that you do, Dimitri. Better that you do. Because I don't want to say something I shouldn't say. Because some of the shit that's going on in, in this, on, on this bill, it, it's, it's freaky stuff. And I don't want to say something I shouldn't say. So uh, wait two seconds. Dimitri's going to call in. Let me see. Do I, do I need to play a, a bumper or maybe his call will pop up? Stand, okay, good. I was going to play a stupid bumper. Now I don't have to do that. Okay. Hey, Dimitri, what's going on, man? Yeah, what's up? Hey, good. I'm glad you called in because I didn't want to say something I shouldn't have said. So I'm glad you called in. 
I saw that you were posting it, posting it on there. I just wanted to make sure that uh, you are careful what you say. <laughs> this is one of the reasons why I called. But uh, yeah, Indiana's pretty pretty messed up. Um, for the past three or four days, I have been involved with this bill. Um, a couple of the vendors contacted me, and it's <clears throat> it's kind of a shame because we kind of kind of got wind of this last year, Russ. And I actually messaged uh, four vendors in Indiana and told them that. They should really get organized to get a lobbyist to kind of monitor the situation of the bills upcoming. And everybody was really excited. This was eight months ago, by the way. Uh, and uh, everybody was really excited until they figured out that they had to pay the lobbyist. And after that, it was crickets. <laughs> if you understand these lobbyists, their job is, even if you retain them and they don't do anything, is to monitor bills like these that are being made in back doors. Yeah. So <clears throat> um, now, of course, they're scrambling, trying to get everything uh, in order to to fight this. And they only have a couple of weeks because the first hearing, I mean, you saw the video, you you listened to the video. The first hearing went by and uh, it went by quick. Uh, and um, and even though it had a really good representation by vapors and some vendors that showed up there with uh, I vape and I vote signs, <clears throat> it's no influence. It passed through the first hearing. And, um, and chances are this is not going to slow down until it goes into center or maybe vetoed by the government, yeah. uh, by the governor. Yeah. But... Um, now, can can you? How much can you talk about some of the, not necessarily where it's coming from, but there are some things in this bill, in this bill, that have never been done before in the history of any e-cigarette legislation. Just some wacky, wacky stuff. Can you talk about any of that? Like the security. The only thing I can tell you is that that's, that's one. That's one of the reasons why what drew the flag for me, and uh, and I've been in touch with Brian uh, uh, Fodick, uh, the lobbyist from Enjoy, and Greg Connolly uh, discussing this. I mean, some of the language inside, talking about the way that e-liquid is manufactured, the way e-liquid is distributed, the facility that you should have to manufacture e-liquid, the type of security that you should use, the type of locks that you should have on the doors, third-party camera monitoring of the e-liquid facility. I mean, some of the language in it is completely crazy. Um, I mean, pending a federal regulation on regu- you know, of, of, of this product, <laughs> I mean, where did they come up with this stuff? So <clears throat> I did some digging, and, and, and I found some relationships between some of um, an existing uh, ESIC vendor there in Indiana that has relationships with, uh, with uh, liquor distribution in Indiana, which was kind of odd. Why would you put one and one together? Uh, apparently, this vendor sells to a lot of liquor stores that are being handled by this distribution of, of, uh, of liquor, and there seems to be a connection there. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't have anything definite to tell you, but you know, it's, it's the pieces are definitely all there to show that this was probably triggered by, um, by somebody trying to monopolize the market in Indiana, but, but here's a, but, uh, I just got word just a few minutes ago that, that this is not only happening in Indiana, the same people that are behind this are trying to pass it in. Uh, six or seven other states. states. It appears Mississippi, Kentucky, all are in the running. I haven't gotten the complete list yet, but at least those two, Mississippi and Kentucky, are in the running with uh, the same type of bill. Now, honestly, most people believe that RGR is behind this. Like RGR kind of fed this bill, and uh, maybe they have done you know a, a backroom deal with with an e-liquid company to basically monopolize the market as far as distribution. Maybe they've already made the deal that they will buy them out if these bills pass. So they're looking for support by various industries that can. Because if you saw the hearing, you saw eight or nine associations already stand up there and support this bill at the beginning. Yep. So all this has arranged in the last year. I don't understand why vapors don't understand, don't get how law is made in this country. I mean, this they didn't just show up and just throw this bill on there. They've been working on this for a year. 
getting associations to back it up, getting the different, you know, industries that could be participating in this bill, um, getting all the lobbying money behind it. And, um, and they just, they just dumped it. They just dumped it on there. Now listen. Uh, and they dumped it on states that don't have, they don't have a representation too. That's very, very important. Uh, what I'm saying, Russ, they dumped it on states that are not organized. that don't have an organization. Don't have a lobbyist representing them. them. One of the reasons why here in Tennessee, well, I mean, we're expecting a bill here in Tennessee, right? We knew this. We've known this all, all year long. Right. It's been confirmed by various, but they haven't dropped anything here in Tennessee. But guess what? The vendors here in Tennessee have a lobbyist hired. That we hired him last year. So they know we're here. They know we're watching, and they know that our lobbyist is watching as well, too. They have to be really careful with the language. They can't just drop something that's going to be a last-minute you know, defense. So that's, that's why it's very, very important for all these states in Mississippi and Kentucky and all these other states to be organized and, and have some kind of representation, somebody in there to watch after the rights. You have about $40,000, $50,000 a year for a 12-month representation. That's not a lot of money, Russ. I mean, 40, 50 grand a year to split between, you know, 100 vendors in the state is nothing, in my opinion. So digging more into this Indiana thing, um, it got surreal for a second. I mean, I had to back off from the computer. Me, James Martin, you, um, um, Tom Baker. It was crazy shit. Crazy shit. Dude, I got kids and I got scared. I'm gonna tell. I'll, I'll be honest. I don't. None of things scare me, but I really got scared because it, it it started opening up these these connections to these people with previous corruption charges. I mean, it tied into like a National Lampoon magazine and um, uh, pushing out distribution of liquor in Indiana and pushing out craft beer in Indiana. I mean, just some weird, weird stuff that if you if you go back and read, you know, the past history of some of these people that are involved. Uh, one of the executives that's involved in this vapor company is uh, is a previous um, tobacco CEO. He, yep. he worked at Altria. Mm-hmm. So you can't not help but make a connection there for Russ. I mean, it's just no way. I mean, it, it, just take all the pieces and put them together. I mean, to the but audience. Here's my suggestion. Before, before you make your suggestion, to the audience, I know this may sound like some whacked out conspiracy theory, but I mean, you'll see at some point. I don't, I don't, I don't know when, but we're going to, we're going to put pieces together on this and we'll do it that way but listen it sounds like a conspiracy theory i know you got liquor you got you got people that look like borderline organized crime doing all this stuff in the background we think we strongly suspect um it it may be a an actual conspiracy they exist you know they they've happened you know so like i never thought in a million years dimitri i'd never i'd never thought that we would be fighting against liquor and security what that doesn't even make any sense, but it's 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 happening. It's it's really happening. There is no American Heart and American Lung and 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 pharma. They don't care. Uh, they're not. They've never put in something in a bill that you have to have this kind of security system monitoring a product. In what business do you have to have a specific kind of security system monitoring the uh, manufacture of a product? It doesn't exist, but it exists now for vaping. It's. It's crazy, but go, go ahead. I just don't. I just don't want anyone to be thrown off to thinking this is some whacked out theory. It, there's some really fucked up shit going on with this. If I can find it online, anybody can. Okay, I'm just going to tell you one thing: that a liquor distributor has a lobbyist that is pushing for this bill. That's all. You can look it up. You can look it up. McAllister's the name of the company. The guy that owns the company. He owns. Um, Big Red Liquor, I think, is the name of the company. Yep. But all you have to do is look it up. They have a lobbyist that represents the liquor company to pass this bill. Why would anybody have a lobbyist to 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 that represents a a a a, 
liquor distribution in Indiana lobby for an ESIC bill. It doesn't, it, I don't even think this is really a conspiracy. I think it's just a um, um, dirty politics to to monopolize the market. That's what it's plain and simple. And I mean, I, I can't see how else you. And I think it represents the beginning, like you said. You know, of two other states are doing it. I think it. I think it's going to go because the, the the this business of vaping is big enough at this point where it makes sense for corporations that are already entrenched, that already have. Uh, very strong and incestuous relationships with legislators to try to push legislation through that way because, well, just the more friends you have, the better, really. And having corporate interests uh, team up together to push out competition, uh, is a, there's a long, strong history of that in America. Um, it's, it's sad, but it's true. And we're going to be seeing more and more I, of that. Who knows what kind of – who would have ever guessed liquor insecurity are going to be our enemies? Who would have ever – nobody would have come up with that. You would – people say you're fucking crazy. But it's happening. It's happening now. And and it doesn't have – it's not – there's nothing special about those industries. They're just some shady guys with a lot of influence in those particular states that are doing that. We're going to be fighting this against all kinds of industries coming out of right and left field. That we that, Who are these people? And they're going to be our enemies. And it's so much harder to fight them than, you know – than a not not for profit, you know. Quite frankly, I'm going to tell you where where it stems from, Russ. There's a lot of people that want to invest in this industry, but they're afraid, right? There's a lot of you know. I, I know this because of my business travels and where you know, and, and the people that I've talked to. There's millionaires, billionaires out there that want to get into this industry and they want to invest, but they're afraid. They don't know where to invest. the The, the industry is very spread thin. It's very unorganized right now. So it makes perfect sense. Just imagine this. You know, you have a couple of billionaires in the that want a guarantee of a, of a monopoly of distribution. And they say, well, we're willing, we're willing to dump a couple billion dollars to invest in this if we have, you know, distribution in seven states. I'm not saying that's what's happening, but that makes perfect sense to me. So who are the, the people behind this? I don't know. It could be RJR. It, 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 this, this seems to me, I'm not, a, I'm not an attorney. I'm not a lobbyist. I'm not an expert. <laughs> But from my experience, this seems that RGR has made a deal with a group of investors that could include security companies and liquor distributors and e-liquid manufacturers to support this bill and try to pass it in six or seven states to try to create a monopoly of distribution. And then maybe they've already made a deal to buy them out at some point. So if this passes, then RGR turns around and buys them. So all the investment that they get, they recoup the investment and with, with huge profits, you know. Yeah, and and if not, it it's far, not like they don't they don't lose. What's that? Is it far fetched to think that way? No, because all the evidence points to that right now. Uh, it, and and the thing is, it, it's it's a nice hedged bet because if they miss, well, we still got a nice you know uh, investment in this uh, company that's doing well on their own without even e liquid. So it doesn't you know it, it's 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 a fairly safe risk. You know, it's very easy for them to go after. The liquid manufacturers that are doing two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars a year, because they don't have the representation, they can eat them up. They're peanuts, right? So if you have, you know, two hundred e-liquid manufacturers, in, I don't know how many they are. I'm just guessing, two hundred e-liquid manufacturers in Indiana, and they all have a very small piece of the pie, and they're not organized. They can be wiped off overnight just by the just a little switch. They're gone. Mm -hmm. It's easy for them to do that because they have the power behind to do it. That's why it's vital for these states to organize. But in this case, it was, it was really, really, I mean, we started looking at, at, um, at these people that are behind this 
And boy, I mean, if you look back at the history that they have, it's like a, the perfect recipe to to pretty much monopolize <laughs> vaping in, in Indiana and in other states as well, too. I mean, the bill goes specifically to say that you won't be able to manufacture e-liquid. Uh, you, you won't be able to uh, bring e-liquid from out, out of state unless it meets the, the, the requirements of the state of Indiana. That's crazy. I mean, that is absolutely nuts. Well, while we're pending a federal regulation, keep in mind, keep in mind that we don't have a federal regulation on this product. So if this passes in Indiana and it passes in Kentucky and it passes in Mississippi and all the other states, which I'm trying to find out what other states this could possibly be happening. If you manufacture e-liquid in Florida and you think you're safe, you're not going to be able to sell your product in seven states. This is bad. This is really bad. It's That's how bad this I can't even say it. It's just, it's so painful to say. It's well, we've never seen something before that would, it, it, on the one hand, allows for certain types of products where the, the net effect would be, it's like you said, like a light switch. One day you've got all these vape shops, none of them, all all these e-liquid manufacturers, all of a sudden they're, you, you have a barbed wire fence around an entire state where the only people allowed to do business relating to vaping are the people that wrote a piece of legislation. You know, American Heart, American Cancer, you know, the, the ph pharmaceutical, they don't even get that nasty. This is this is the nastiest. I'm, I'm sure they got paid off by them. Well, maybe. They got paid off by these people for sure. Sure, Oh, yeah, sure. for sure. I, I mean, you can track that back. You can go look at the donations and, and put the pieces together. I mean, this is, I can't, I mean, I don't have the resources or the time. I mean, I've done this in, in the last 72 hours. And you know with the contact that I've had with you over the past three days. But let, let me tell you, let me give you an example of how they work. SB 539 was shown, scheduled, and heard within a week. Okay? Mm -hmm. Shown, scheduled, and heard within a week and passed. Within a week, we're talking about a legislation that will wipe off pretty much every liquor manufacturer in Indiana. Let's talk about this state in particular. All done within a week. That is showing to me that there's a lot of money behind this. Yeah, it shows they've been, they've been working and on it for six months to a year. Absolutely. It's scary, man. I mean, this this stuff, I mean, it's like... I wish I could say more. Sometimes I can't, well, we, I, I can't because I... Explain why we can't, though, Russ, because I mean, we really haven't put all the pieces together. We, it's there, and this is where I was going to go with the, with, the, with the what I am suggesting here, and this is what I suggested to Indiana vendors that have contacted me about this. I have made... Uh, a diagram of what we have so far. Pretty analytical diagram. So the pieces are there. What I would do is I would turn this over to a newspaper. I would turn this over to an eager reporter. I would turn it over TV. They love stories like this. And I would say, this is what I got. Now get out there, give me the missing pieces, and make a name for yourself. That's, That's what I would do. That's a great idea. That's a great idea because this is... This is the the kind of thing where truth is, str is stranger than fiction. This is like Sopranos or fucking Boardwalk Empire. It really is. I mean, th these companies have a history of just acting like total thugs, uh, just using the using the power of, of the state that they've amassed over time to squash you know smaller businesses out of existence and and create a, a you know a, a, a not a democracy a monopoly. It's it's nuts. It's nuts. We'll have more info soon. I'm sure. We got to put the pieces together and, you know, having, you know, some sharp reporters, probably the best idea I've heard about this so far, but man, 
what we are in for is it's nasty. It's real nasty. It's going to be it's it's going to be worse than any kind of enemy we've ever fought before. Just get the organ the vendors to get organized in their state. That's what they have to do. That's the number one thing that they should have. They should have a lobbying representation in every state. Look at California. Look how much we in, in you know Cisco sent me a message like we're beating the dead horse. Yeah, I've been beating the same dead horse for California for a year. And Stefan will tell you. Stefan's been following our shows here for for years. Mm-hmm. I've been beating the the horse in California for a year and a half for us. I've been I vendors out in California hate me because I bash them all the time. And this look what happened. Now they're doing the drawing the line sand meeting in Cal. This is what they're naming it. Nothing against the fine. I think they're doing. The, I think they're doing a great job. By the way, I just want to put that out there. But why would they have to get to the point where they're they're calling the meeting, Russ? Draw a line in the sand. Like this is it. This is the end. <laughs> you can't. You're gonna fall in the water past this, right? Why do you have to get to this point now? When you, when with the power that California California has and the money that the vendors have there Ugh. for two years now, they could have been organized. They could have had. They could have had anything. Yeah. Again, I personally. Personally, I think that even this effort is going to be really, really hard at this point, because I think now a lot of the vendors feel deflated. Yeah. Like the Patriots' balls. Uh, they feel, you know, they feel like, oh, we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna lose anyway. We're fine anyway. So we're we're not gonna, you know, we're not gonna, we're not gonna do this. We're just gonna bank for the next. So it's actually more disheartening now for 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 the effort that Stefan and everybody else is doing out there, because now I believe it's even harder to get people to be organized because it's so doom and gloom. When you tell a vendor, I'm drawing the line in the sand, well, he's going to say, well, fuck it. I got two years. I'm going to bank. <laughs> I'm not going to support this effort. And, and that's the truth. You know, Stereo Dreamer made a really good point, and it's, it's the truth. How far this country has come from its roots. It took, it's, this is true. It took a 3% tax on tea in 1776 to get Americans to draw guns and draw blood. A 3% tax on tea. Look around you today. Look what's happening. Just forget about it. Look at everything else. We've got, most people pay close to, well, not most people, but a lot of people pay next to 50% on their income, and they just sit there and take it. Sure. It's not that tough. I mean, you don't have to be a multimillionaire to to pay, you know, 45, 50%. It's, it's, it's. I'd be right there on the line, baby. Oh, boy. But the this is the truth. And, and, you know, look at even Stefan said it, they're right. They, they, the vendors of California need to understand, and most still don't. I truly believe he's right, right? You know, I truly believe that a lot of people don't understand, even today, even with this drawn, like, is it's, I'm not going to say it's a waste of time. I appreciate what Stefan is doing and anybody that advocates in this thing. I just don't see it being successful. I'm honest about it because I truly believe it's not going to happen in Cali. It could have happened for two years now, one of the biggest states, one of the, the thousands of vendors, a lot of money flowing through there, a lot of e-liquid manufacturers there that had the power to really have a rep, a, not only a PR and a G, GR and PR representation to, to kick ass in California. And it's the apathy has been just incredible, incredible. Yeah, Inactivity a- and apathy from there, it's, it's, it's incredible. It's the classic, you know, day late and a dollar short, you know, and here you are. Now you're, now you got your back up against the wall. And you know, it's, what are you gonna do? Hey, good luck, guys. But uh, and we might not be able to save it. Cisco sent me a, a really interesting message the other day and said, "Saving vaping is financially impossible in its current form." And wait, he might be right. Who said that? Way. Wait, who said that? He might be absolutely right. I'm sorry. Who said that? He might be. Cisco. Oh yeah, yeah. 
Well, because you know, I beat the dead horse every week. Sure. <laughs> he listens to the shows and sends the message. You know, always. Uh, but I appreciate his feedback. I really do. But I think he's. I think he might. He might have a point here. He might have a point that the way that the how spread the vaping industry is right now. Now, it's may, it might be impossible for us to gather financially in its current form to save it. He does have a great point there. Just think about what he's trying to say. If, if, if you. If you translate that, that statement, is basically what he's saying is that you have all these little moms and pop shops, all these guys opening up e-liquid lines and, and shops, and there's not the financial, fiscal responsibility to put everything together in order to fight for vaping. You know, there's, there's a lot of hurdles there to be able to financially get everything together. And I, I agree with him. I really do. The next six months are going to be uh, really interesting, and unfortunately, uh, it's likely to be really sad in, in many cases. But listen, it's, it, you you fight till you die. That's all you can do, um, and and sometimes you're gonna win. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know. that's it. that's it. We can't give up. I mean, I'm not gonna give up. I'm not gonna give up because uh, you know, even if I feel deflated or if I feel that I've been beaten, I'm not gonna give up because I believe in the product. But the truth is that we have to see it realistically. What can we do? What can we do to turn it around? Right now, nothing. We we don't we don't see that that passion. We don't see that interest. I think all that will weed itself out. I just hope when it does weed itself out, it's not too late where the whirlwind will catch everybody and the good vendors and those that have been investing in their future and those that help because there's there are a lot of them out there. There's just not enough to make a difference. Listen, not to make an abrupt segue, but I, I wanted to talk about a subject that I'm, I, I, I guess I'm just not qualified to talk about. I only saw it quickly. Um, this new this new, you know, there's a company that filed a patent yeah. and then a couple of, yeah, yeah. What's the name of the company again? Yeah. Nickel Pure. They make e-liquid for Evo liquid and for Halo E6. Right. So, so basically a company filed a lawsuit and then, you know, snap of the finger, those companies, they, 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 they shut down. They're, they're not, what, what's your, I, I, I wanted to spend more time, but I was on the phone with New Hampshire, so I didn't, I didn't really get to read the lawsuit. Can you give a quick take on that? I don't know if you've looked at it or not. I'm sorry for putting you on the spot. Yeah, well, no, I've, I've looked at it. Um, this, we're going to see a lot of that this year, by the way, too. And don't, you know, this this might be, this might have been in the, in the works for a while. This just didn't just drop overnight and the company went out of business. They might have sent them a cease and desist letter six months ago and the company might have told them to go fuck themselves, which happens a lot in this industry, by the way. Mm -hmm. I was really, really surprised. Um, but if this has dropped six months ago and they ignored it or they didn't do nothing about it, obviously now they might have gotten to the point where they actually do have to close. But you're going to see a lot of that. Now, this last year, a lot of companies have been filing for trademarks, for patents, not only the small companies. I don't consider Nicopure a small company. It's a pretty large company. But there's even larger companies that are, companies that are drawing patents and trademarks on, on various names and, and, and devices and all that. And you're going to see more of that enforcement. That's just another way, again, of enforcing trying to monopolize the market. That's why they rush so hard. I mean, um, one of the companies that did that a lot last year was uh, V2 SIGs. Still does, still does it to this day. V2 SIGs is filing for a patent almost every week. Why? Because what they're trying to do is they're trying to you know, gain as much as they can to turn around and go after the market. And they're not going to go after, you know, some Joe Blow that's, you know, doing $20,000 a year. They're, they're waiting for these companies to get a little bit bigger. I mean, look at Space Jam. <laughs> Why wasn't Space Jam, you know, approached before to change the logo? 
they, 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 until the company got big, when this company was dropping a hundred thousand dollars at ECC, well, they went they went after him. Yeah, I missed they had that. To change their logo. I missed that. I didn't even know that. When did that happen? Well, it's not um, it's not really the reason why it was announced why they changed the logo, but there's got to be something behind it. Maybe I'm just a conspiracy theorist like you, Russ. But why would they change their logo in the in the midst of such a growth of the company? They might have just gotten the letter. I mean, it was okay. Well, we have to change this. I mean, it was ridiculously blatant. I mean, it's crazy that somebody (laughs) somebody actually sat down and said, "I'm gonna, I'm just gonna copy Disney." What are you thinking? I'm not saying that it happened. I'm just saying most likely what happened. Okay, but again, that's fine. The company grew. They got a letter. They respected it. You know, MLV we got a letter. um, Well, I didn't even work for the company at the time last year for a juice that they named Rambler. Uh, no, excuse me, Gambler. They named the juice, it was a tobacco flavor, and they called it Gambler, and they got a letter from a tobacco company that apparently has some kind of a tobacco pipe thing that's called Gambler. And, uh, and you know, he contacted, Steve contacted his attorney, and the attorney said, well, you know, we can spend a quarter of a million dollars to fight it, but it's 50-50. <laughs> so Steve changed it. I mean, you know, he, he respected the season, the season changed it. And then he changed it to Gambler, excuse me, to Rambler, right? So, so it doesn't, you know, customers were used to the gambler. He didn't want to change it a lot. So he changed it to Rambler. Got another letter. <laughs> the letter said, it's too close to gambler. You have to change it. <sighs> so once again, once again, I mean, this is, this is the game where, I mean, we're playing with the big boys now, Russ. We're not, you know, this is not just, you know, we're just going to sell some juice out of the house, right? So, so then he changed it again, called it Wrangler. <laughs> so now it's fine. <laughs> the Wrangler is it. Wrangler is okay. But are you going to see more and more of this? Now, Nickel Pure has a trademark on Evo and the word vapor. So they went off to, after uh, uh, various companies that, that were using the same, two companies that were using the same um, type of format, right? So the actual filing of the, of the paperwork and all that, it's all public. You can go look for it it's on Reddit, it's on Facebook, it's everywhere. So you can actually see what the, uh, the evidence was from the company. And they're going to win. They're a big company. They have a representation. They have the trademarks in place. And, um, and you know, you can't win. You, you can't win something like that. Trademark infringement laws are very, very... Um, very, very specific and very, very difficult to fight. I'm going to give you another example. This, this you might not know because you did a show on this last year uh, on the Hannah Mods. Do you remember that? Sure. Where he went after the vendors? Did you know that most of those vendors settled? I did not. Yeah. Believe it or not, most of those vendors settled. And it is something that you'd hear companies that came out and said, well, our insurance company said we're going to fight this. And we're going to win this. Well, you never heard anything back from them. Why not? Because a lot of these companies settled. That's the way that the law works. If you're going to infringe on somebody's trademark, you're going to pay or you're going to cease and desist. You know, it's funny. I remember years ago, we'd, we would make funny. We, we'd, we would make fun of companies who would use these wacky, they'd call their, their e-liquid, you know, green snot and pussy juice and, and, and air farts or, or whatever, you know, uh, those are the the safest names out there right now (laughs) (laughs) they are they are you really have to but everything's been done i mean how many many times can you do the real with e-liquid i mean there's a a new e-liquid company coming out every day right so i mean what it's just very very difficult to come up with original names i think you know as the tide is turning and and we come into the new era of of vaping in a couple years i think you're going to go back to seeing stuff like pineapple peach and watermelon berries you know you're going to see a lot of that coming back because there's no trademark on that. So you're always going to be able to go back to something that's, that's a little bit more simple. 
And honestly, I believe that that's the best thing to do for, for the industry as well, too, because a lot of these names are just, you know, you, you look at a name and there's no explanation to it. Like, what the hell is this juice? You know, <laughs> I don't know what the juice is in. There. That's just my personal opinion, by the way. I don't want to think that's the way. But it's going to change. I think it's going to change. The, 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 scene is, the scenery is going to change. You're going to see a lot more consolidation this year. You're going to see a lot of more trademark infringement um, lawsuits being filed. You're going to see a lot of more patents. Um, patent patent um, enforcement being filed as well too. All this is just the way that the market is shaping up. It can't be stopped. The bigger that it gets, the bigger that it gets. Uh, I saw the estimate from uh, Bonnie Herzog the other day, and uh, yeah, I'm in her email list, and uh, and she sends out an email with her analysis. She did an analysis on um, on the vapor shop space and how it's affecting the C stores. I don't know if you saw that. I posted it on my Facebook. I think I actually you posted the the chart. I think you didn't you send that to me? Send that to me? But I'm not sure. I, I'd like to get on the list though. By the way, but yeah, I did. I did. I sent you the whole email. Yeah, I sent you the whole email to to look at. I thought it was just really, really interesting what she was saying. So, the, the C stores are complaining that the vape shops taking away a lot of the business. So, what are the what are the ESIC companies doing? Like Logic and Mystic and Enjoy, they're going to the open vapor product, right? So now they're trying to dump this product onto the C stores. Because they believe that this is the way they're going to compete with a vape shop, which is a huge, huge mistake. You know it. I know it. Mm -hmm. You've proven it on your show. I don't have to go through this again. But what's happening is that the C stores, they can't pick up that many SKUs. They can't pick up that much open vapor. Open vapor product needs a lot of room because mm -hmm. you have juices, you have atoms, you have coils. Well, the C stores, they can't carry all that stuff. So they can't compete with a vape shop. So they're complaining that the vape shop is impacting the sales of electronic cigarettes. They're not seeing loyal customers. They're not seeing repeat customers. Um, you see the numbers jump every quarter when they're delivering product to the C stores, but then the numbers will drop for the next four months because even though there was a jump in e sales, that was the wholesale distribution side that filled the C store. But if the C stores are not selling it, then the, the, you know, the sales drop. So that reflects in the next four months. It's really, really interesting how it works. But if you read some of the comments that the C stores were replying to in this survey that, that she did, um, I'll give you an interesting um, um, example. Mm -hmm. They say, eventually produc production um, regulation will drive this business model down, talking about the vape shop, right? Um, the current stage of the product lifecycle for the category allows for multiple channel growth, and the enhanced offerings of e-liquid available to C store allows for a more competitive stance. This is the thinking that the companies have by putting the product into the C stores. We're going to compete with the vape shops. We're going to put open vapor. We're going to put e-liquids. But guess what? They're not selling. 61.5% of these people said that it has a negative impact. The vape shop has a negative impact. So here's the question that I pose for you, Russ. Who is the biggest supplier for C stores when it comes to tobacco products? The tobacco companies. Of course. If the tobacco companies are, their customers are not happy, what do they do? They try to either eliminate the competition or influence legislation that's going to monopolize the market. Mm -hmm. That's a bad, bad thing for us. <laughs> Basically, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Well, there's not th that's there's nothing that's going to change that tide because, like you said, it's impossible for a cease. They, they, they don't know anything. They don't want to devote the shelf space to it. A blister pack product is only going to get a customer to buy it once. I mean, th there's nothing they could do. So yes, it's logical that the people losing the most are going to band together and try to squeeze. That's why I think that the model, let's say, you know, the model that Enjoy King had, I thought that was a great model. I think if that would remain in the C store, I, I think that was more sustainable than trying to go to the open vapor uh, market in the C store itself. 
you know, with logic and mystic. Now everybody, there's so much competition. There's only so much limited space in a C store for your product. So if you had the model of the closed vapor product, a good disposable e-cig or a good cartomizer e-cig that people could just buy five carter, a lot of people out there that like to use that model. If it were to remain that way, vaping would grow, right? Because people would not get a bad experience with a C-store. It would be an introduction to vaping. Some of them would stick for that for the long term, and some of them would transition to us, to the vaping um, world, into the vape shop. Both categories could flourish. But the problem is that the vape shop grew so fast in the United States the last two years that it really gave a, just a kick in the nuts to the C-stores into the vapor product category there. So that's where we're at where we're at now. We're competing with the big boys. Yet another thing that's going to make the next six months pretty interesting. But, uh, hey, listen, your, your, uh, your insight was invaluable tonight. Thank you so much. And uh, you can hear more of this, I'm sure, tomorrow on Smoke Free Radio right here on Vapor's Place at uh, 9 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, look forward to your show tomorrow. Thanks, Russ. Have a good night, buddy. There he goes, everybody. The one and the only vape in Greek. Dimitri, Smoke Free Radio. Word up. So let's... Uh, Take a deep breath. And, you know, every, let's not talk about, well, let me, let me tell you about this, this guy. His name's Karsten Vogel. Karsten Vogel, the New York City resident, he was very, very vocal. And, you know, through all of this police brutality stuff going on in New York, he has a lot of, you know, he was a super heavy, he was a pro-cop activist, you know, as far as social media is concerned. I think he made contributions. Also, this guy was a guy who had faith that the NYPD were good people, that they were protecting him. He didn't buy into the over-militarization and the police brutality stuff. This is a guy who supported the NYPD and supported them in a big, big way. And that all changed in 10 seconds. Now, Karsten Vogel is a anti-police brutality activist. Now, how did that happen in 10 seconds? Well, what happened was he was on the way to work. He was on the subway. Um, and on uh, January 20th, about 4 p.m., he was standing waiting for the A train. And uh, he was approached by an NYPD officer who asked, what do you have in your pocket? This has never happened to uh, this has never happened to Mr. Vogel before, but he was happy to comply. He, he likes the cops. He's pro, big pro cop guy, right? This guy says, "Well, what do you what, what do you have in your pocket?" Now, what he had was a completely legal knife, a, a, a tool. We're talking about a two inch blade here. You can have up to a four inch blade in New York, right? There's nothing nothing wrong with this. It was a uh, it was something on a little clip, you know, little, little tiny, it's almost like a pen knife, right? So he knew it, he knew it was legal. And this is why you never consent to a search. This is why you never answer questions, right? Even if you're a guy who really, even if you love your police, do not answer any questions and do not consent to any searches. But how would he know that? He thinks the cops are the good guys. He even did research into the knife laws and bought something that was half the size of what's legal, just to have a little tool with him. So he handed over the knife, and the cop uh, 
took it out, and what he did was he raised his arm and violently and vigorously flicked his wrist, something that he had clearly practiced, and the knife snapped open into, you know, the form that you, that you normally would just pull the blade out and extend it to so that you could use it. Uh, now, Vogel was surprised when he saw it. He had never tried to open the knife like that in his life. He said, shit, that looked like a magic trick. That was pretty cool. And then he was arrested for something that's called this obscure, well, it's not obscure to, to, to the cops. This is something that was passed in the 1950s. It's called, you can't have a gravity knife. All right? Now, there most states do have laws against blades, which is a, a kind of knife where you push a button and the knife goes out the front, like vertically. It doesn't swing open from the side, but it literally shoots out from the middle. That's your typical definition of a switchblade and out the front. Most states ban that, uh, including New York. Um, the, the whole gravity knife thing is if a, if a knife is designed to be open quick. Now, why this makes a knife more dangerous, I have no idea. You can make the argument that when you push a button, you know, if you if you accidentally hit a button while the knife is in your pocket and the thing juts out and maybe cuts your leg, okay, you can maybe, I wouldn't support it, but you could maybe make the argument, okay, well, we're trying to protect people from, you know, cutting their leg when the knife is in their in their pocket. You can't do that in a, with a gravity knife. So why this law exists, I have no idea. I have no idea who it protects. I have no idea why this is dangerous. It sounds like a nice convenience to have on a knife, to be honest with you. Anyway, then the cop said, um, this two-inch pen knife, um, he's going to have a, a, a nice criminal possession of a weapon arrest. This is a serious offense. Um, you know, this guy Vogel, he didn't know it was happening until as he was getting his hand cut, he, he was still, even at that point, he was thinking, gosh, something must be gone wrong here. But then he figured it out when, as he was being put into the police car, he heard two of the cops discussing, hey, why did that guy get a promotion? I've had, what are the, um, what are the, what, he had, he, he, he overheard a conversation between the cops about another cop. Like, why did he get, why did this guy get a promotion? They were saying, let me quote him. They were saying, why is he getting promoted, Vogel recalls. He's only got like two guns and a burglary and a few robberies. Vogel said he started to realize that his arrest wasn't about safety or the kind of law enforcement that most people wanted from their police. Here they're talking about promotions and the relationship between arrest and promotion. And I realized I'm just a pawn. All he was was somebody who wasn't dangerous, wasn't, but was quite frankly a, a, a huge pro NYPD promoter. And when he realized that they just took a, took a stupid excuse to get a weapons charge on him, he did it in order to help get himself a promotion. In his quotes, they turned me from an ally into an enemy. After his, after his ordeal, Vogel went back to Facebook. He was upset, and he was trying to warn others about the knife law. One of his friends, the same who he'd occasionally sparred with over the police, chimed in, aren't you the one always running and arguing to how great cops are and they're just doing their job, she wrote? Never again, Vogel replied. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is how you turn a pro-cop 
supporter into an activist against police abuse. Here's the story, Morning Glory. <laughs> 